anytime you can. Bye, Bills fans. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. This is the BuffaloDown.com podcast, part of the fan-sided sports network. Where else would you rather be? I don't really celebrate Christmas. I, um, I celebrate Christmas. Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. And welcome to a Festivus edition here of the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones happy to be joining you here as we get set for the Bills home finale taking on the Miami Dolphins in what has been a interesting stretch here of December. Um, a tough loss to New England just a uh, couple weeks ago. And then uh, a victory I think they would have cruised in if the weather was uh, not as snowy, but a nail-biter nonetheless. And the Bills uh, pulling out in overtime over the Colts there. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I was just like a ping-pong ball where I was happy, I was angry the, the entire game just because, uh, you know, I knew it was a game that if they want to make the playoffs, they absolutely had to win. They couldn't lose, and they absolutely couldn't tie either. Uh, yeah, you know, it was one of those games where it really was the season. It was sort of like the Oakland Raiders game from 2015, where you knew the entire season righted on that game. Or was that 2014? That was 14. Was 2014, yes. Yeah, so the 2014 Raiders game where we were going against a losing team. It should have been a game. They just go in, do your business, or go out. And they just found a way. They got up early. And it looks like the Bills were just going to find a way to lose. Luckily, that didn't happen, but uh, it really felt like one of those games. It did, and it seemed like there was every opportunity. Um, because, you know, when I'm watching the game on TV, you know, Sunday is also a day to get stuff done around the house. So I'm in the kitchen trying to bake Christmas cookies, and uh, I have the game on, and, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth between the oven. And uh, my wife just runs in the kitchen and goes, I hate Buffalo, they suck! And uh, over the touchdown, so we, we watch the two-point conversion, we get pissed, and then we find out that, no, it was called back for uh, defensive uh, or offensive pass interference. So we're happy again. And then we see Joe Webb throw that interception. Oh, the Bills suck again! And then in overtime, it looked like they're moving the ball. And then they punt on fourth and one. Oh, you know, McDermott stinks. And then Shady, you know, finds a way to just dance into the end zone. Uh, Deontay Thomas with a huge catch from Joe Webb. And Buffalo found a way to get it done. So uh, had they lost that game, yeah, it would have been exactly like the Oakland game. We could have kissed their playoff hopes goodbye. But, uh, you know, I guess it was meant to be and I'm happy the Bills were able to come out with a win there although it was probably one of the more painful wins for me to watch at least at home yeah and I think it's it, this shows a, I think the one that really killed me about that game was the Tolbert fumble Shady hadn't been in a few plays and if Shady has that ball that is a touchdown that is a very long touchdown he makes that safety miss and he is gone Tolbert ran him over and just got a little too cocky as he broke away from the tackle, got a little loose, and McCarvis Minko, who's a dra- who's just the person to do that. A draft bus in Cleveland goes to multiple teams, 
and fire and just does that to us. Like it was just so systematic of the entire game where, you know, you think the Bills are gonna drive, they're driving, they're driving, they break off a big play and then it shuts down. It was really just one of those games that you thought the Bills were gonna lose. Yep. Yep, one of those games where it seemed like they were doing everything in their power to lose that game. And, you know, it was how uh, Tolbert was carrying the ball that I think caused that fumble there. Where, you know, Shady can afford to carry the ball like a loaf of bread like that because he can elude defenders. He can get out of it. Like you said, he would have, you know, juked the safety out of his wits and been off to the end zone there. That Mike Tolbert, like you said, he got cocky. And, uh, you know, Buffalo nearly found just another way to lose that game. Everything was there. They were almost, you know, gift-wrapping it there for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, But nonetheless, the Bills were able to go ahead and find a way and get it done with overtime. And, uh, you know, I... With the conditions and everything, and I know uh, Vinatieri is a very good kicker there that I didn't want Hauschka to be put in that position to have to kick a field goal. I didn't want them to just put him out on the field, so I was glad to see uh, Shady McCoy just cruise into the end zone. Yeah, and it was one of those games where you knew that if if somebody could get a touchdown, it was going to be a touchdown like that, where somebody breaks it off and it's going to be a good run. Um, It really is one of those games where... Whoever got in overtime, it was going to be. It wasn't going to be like a drive down, a methodical drive, and kick a field goal. It was really going to be one of those where somebody breaks off a play on a lucky, you know, just gets enough blocking to get the guy to the safeties, and they're going to break a big run. Whether it be Frank Gore or Lashawn McCoy, because both of them played exceptionally well throughout the game. All right, I've heard a lot of buzz on this throughout the week here, just listening to WGR on. McDermott's decision to punt the ball on fourth and one on the Indianapolis, uh, I believe it was the 44, the 41-yard line, whatever it was, um, when he decided to punt and then he calls the timeout and still punts it, that was maddening here. But the fact that he chose to punt, it reminded me of former Ohio State coach Jim Tressel, who always said that, you know, the punt was the most important play of football. It's a game of field position. I think that's you know that's what he was doing. He was he was playing the field position. He didn't care about the conditions or the odds that they would get the ball back. It was that he didn't want Indianapolis to have decent field position to give Mike Vanderjack a chance. Now, that's not saying I decision not at all. But that's that I I kind of spun in my as what McDermott was was thinking. Well, and I think McDermott was confident in his defense for most of the game. They had, you know, slowed uh, Indianapolis down except for that last series. Um, and so I think that they were confident that they could force them. And also the great, the, I thought it was, to be honest, at the time I thought it was one of the worst decisions I, I that we've ever had as Bills, you know, in Bills. I thought it was a classic Bills move. Um, but after thinking about it, it does make sense. Because the way the ball's been playing in special teams, you have a very low chance of a touchback. And because the ball's literally just landing and stopping, wherever they kick the ball, it was landing. And so with that, you can... Colton Schmidt has been very good at placing teams inside their own 10-yard line so far this season. And so I think you got to trust your defense and trust your kicker there to put him in a really tough spot, put him deep force them to give the ball back to you with much better field position. And it all worked out. It did. This is the BuffaloDown.com podcast. This is our Festivus edition. Uh, 
we already kind of got into it a little bit here, uh, but we'll start uh, Festivus off here with uh, the the traditional feats of strength. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. All right, so excuse me, the airing of grievances. And, you know, I, I, I think that was one of the, our grievances here was McDermott's decision to go for and fourth and one. I, too, thought it was a terrible call. Uh, you could hear the cries in the stadium. You could hear the cries even more after calling the timeout that they decided to do it. Um, and that's one of my grievances this year. And, I, you know, it's, it's just because Sean McDermott is a rookie head coach. But some of the decisions in the clock management, decisions that he's made this season are questionable. I think that first half against the, the Denver game where he let a ton of time tick off the clock before he finally decided to call the timeout. And it makes me wonder, I heard it posed this morning on WGR, you know, what kind of support does his coaching staff give him? What kind of input do they give him? on making these type of situations here because they brought up a good point that, you know, uh, Doug Baldwin, the head coach in Philadelphia, you know, this is only his second year being a head coach in the league and they kind of give him different scenarios and kind of use a traffic light type scenario, you know, green light, yellow light, red light, as far as, you know, they'll say, you know, this is a green light situation, you know, your call, go for it, and so forth and so on here. That I'm wondering the, the logic behind some of this here. Uh, I, I don't know if he's just too scared, too conservative to, you know, make some of these calls there, but uh, clock management is definitely one of my grievances for the Bills this year. Well, and I also think that's the biggest issue facing most first-time head coaches. You know, they talk about, um, like, specific issues for players coming out of college. Like, um, most college wide receivers don't know how to get off press man coverage or don't know how to stem the route to get off press man. Um, most college quarterbacks don't know how to look off the safety uh, all the time. Rookie head coaches, on majority of the time, don't have a good grasp of clock management. It's just something that comes with um, age, with being in the league and actually coaching. Because, yes, you can grill those scenarios, but in all honesty, when it comes time for that, green light, red light, yellow light, it doesn't work because you're caught up in the moment of the game. You can't... And you can't drill a scenario saying, oh, um, we're going to be able, you know, you, you can't feel the emotion you're going to be feeling at that time. You can't feel like, you know what, the last three times our defense has been out there, we, we've stopped. You know what, we're going to stop. I, I feel like we can punt it here. Because that could have been a green light situation to go for in a scenario. But if McDermott feels right about his defense, he's feeling good about the defense and feeling good about what he's seen from Indianapolis on offense, then in all honesty you got to just go with your gut a lot of the time. And so I, I think clock management is one of those things that comes with time. Um, coaches, a lot of the great coaches that gather, you know, you don't start out any job with all the skills. It doesn't matter where you came from within that organization. You never start out at 100%. There's always things you can improve on. And so I think it's one of those things where we complain about it a lot, but in all honesty... It, it, we just need to give it time. And, you know, let's always remember that, you know, allegedly this is not a year that Buffalo was supposed to win. This is not a year that they were supposed to even be in the hunt for the playoffs. A lot of experts out there, you know, air fingers experts, 
had Buffalo, you know, winning, you know, three, four, five games this year. Um, I was going to save this for my Festivus Miracle, and we'll, we'll talk about that on the other side of a break, but uh, Buffalo has not at any point this year ever been below 500, and that was not supposed to happen this year. So that's been, you know, surprisingly well at this point. Uh, but now we're coming to the point in the season here where, you know, Buffalo has to sweep the Miami Dolphins if they want any shot at the playoffs here. New England, I do not expect them to win that game on the road. I don't think this roster is built enough for it. I think it's going to take some time. Uh, we could see them take a step closer next year. But at this point, I don't see them going into New England in, in December and getting a win. So I, I truly and wholly hope that they do. But uh, at this point right now, I'm going to say that I would love it if the Bills could just go ahead and sweep the Miami Dolphins and all starts this Sunday at New Era Field, a game that I am going to. Friday, I will fly into Philadelphia. Saturday, I will drive up to Western New York, spend a night in Chictawaga, and my wife, my son, and I will be at the game to cheer them on. All weather points to it's not going to be quite like this Sunday. It's going to be cold. It's going to be 30 degrees, so you can bet a couple folks here from uh, living in Dallas, Texas will have hand warmers and several layers galore but I'm at least poised to see that it shouldn't be the whiteout. As fun as that would be to go to, it's not going to be the whiteout that we saw this past Sunday. You know, it really comes down to what the Bills can do with the Dolphins. Whatever they do with the Dolphins, do it twice. So if they beat the Dolphins, beat them twice. If they lose to the Dolphins, lose twice. Because if we split the season series with the Dolphins, it'll do us no good, period. It's not going to do us any good. And talking about going to New England, the Bills have played really well in Foxborough over the past three, four years. I mean, we won in Foxborough week 17, 2014 or 2014. We lost a close game on Monday night where the ref blew a call right at the end of the game. And then 2016, we went into Foxborough and shut them out for the first time since the 90s. So um, I honestly think it is... Um, the Bills have a good shot. I don't want to say good shot of running the table because it's the Bills. They're probably not going to do that. But that would truly be a festivus, you know, miracle if it. My big grievance has been playing players who deserve to be played. Um, Matt Milano is one who deserved to see more field time. Um, you know, you see these guys who have been playing very, very well who deserve to see more field time, and then you see them. Their counterparts come on and you're like, why are you playing this guy? He, he does not honestly deserve me on the field. Um, I And I, I'm not in the room, in that defensive room, so I don't know what their defensive keys are, but Ramon Humber has just looked confused off the ball lately. Yeah. He honestly has just looked lost back from injury. And so um, it, Milano, however, really looks like a promising young player. He really is... Uh, been playing really above his ceiling. He's been playing very well at that weak side linebacker, and I think it's because he's a former safety, former safety from Boston College, um, he sees the field really well in his own coverage. Yep, and, uh, you know, it, it, I'm very happy that he's finally getting a start this year. They announced that this week that he will be parting the starting defense, and, uh, yeah, Boston College has, you know, obviously turned out as of recently some good linebackers uh, Luke Kickley being one of them as well uh, but yeah finally glad to see uh, that we're able to have him get a start uh, this weekend here 
Um, Micah Hyde continues to be one of the shining spots on this defense. Uh, the way he hits the defenders out there, I mean, just crushing blows that he's delivering from the safety position that he's definitely one of the bright spots. I don't have any grievances uh, to air with uh, Micah Hyde this year. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, I don't have any grievances, even with all of the, the secondary, excluding Sharice Wright. Um, when Sharice Wright is our starting corner, he is a liability. Yeah. When EJ Gaines is on the field, EJ Gaines looks like a legitimate number two corner so far this season. I mean, he's had some weak spots, but in all honesty, Charles jo uh, Char not Charles Leonard Johnson, yes, um, at the other at the nickel corner, and Tre'Davious White, who is a legitimate rookie oh, awesome. uh, defensive rookie player or defensive rookie of the year. Um, defensive, yeah, uh, defensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, he's been up at the top of the league in past deflections. He has been on the ball constantly, and he really has looked good even after that cheap shot by Gronk. Yes, indeed. Um, and the, <laughs> that cheap shot was absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? We, we haven't touched on it yet, but the Miami Dolphins just the other night beat New England, of course, at home. Um, but... Gronk did not play in this game. He was suspended because of his cheap shot on Trey Day. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that played a, a pivotal role there, especially on third down, not converting a single third down. I would think if Gronk was out on that field, Tom Brady would have at least converted a couple out there. Yeah, and you know, in all honesty, it's... I mean, I, I'm honestly shocked he didn't get more games. That was... He should have. He can yeah, cut someone. Honestly, that was... I was losing my mind in the stands. Like, legitimately losing my mind. And Patriots fans in the stadium were like, no, yeah, he should be suspended. He should be ejected for this. Right on. And somehow... Two, the NFL needs to rework their offsetting penalties thing because it's complete and utter BS. You can get a five-yard penalty and it offsets a personal foul. Like, think about that. Somebody could throw a punch... And somebody could have used illegal hands to the face for a tenth of the second, get called for it, and those two penalties would negate each other. It, it's just insane to me that in a league that's so much about, well, that gives such lip service to being being about player safety, that they really create these situations where players are going to be in really unsafe situations. We're going to take a quick break here, and on the other side, we'll come back with our Festivus Miracles here. This is a Festivus edition here of the BuffaloDawn.com podcast. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Company Computer Guy. Mr. Company Computer Guy. You are the ruler of the RAM, the guru of the gigabyte, the monster of the memory. Show me the way. When we screw up the boot up, you are there. Without you, computers would megabyte. The countless hours we spend surfing the internet and accidentally stumbling upon porn sites would instead be spent working. Working for the man. 
So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Company Computer Guy. For it's you who keeps our logons logging and our hard drives hard. You Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. You're listening to the BuffaloDown.com podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Sports Network, an R-Street Media production. A new holiday was born! A Festivus for the rest of us! And welcome back here to the Buffalo Down Festivus podcast. Tonight is, uh, we, uh... Already gotten to our uh, our feats of strength, or not our feats of strength, our airing of grievances and aired our grievances here with the Buffalo Bills. So uh, at this time, I think it's time to you know take a little positive spin here and get into our Festivus miracles. It's a Festivus miracle. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go first here. What's one of your Festivus miracles this year, here, Alex? Um, my festivist miracle so far is the second half performance by LaShawn McCoy. Uh, it really didn't look like he had had, uh, you know, a really good start to the year running the ball. And in the second half of the season, he has really tore it up. Um, and I, it, I know it's not really a festivist miracle if it's expected. Um, but, you know, it, it really does, you know, he, he really was a game changer for this team. Um, because they could have fallen off a cliff if he had not kept up his running performances through the second half of the season. Absolutely agreed. Um, and I know he's also very dangerous in the past game when he can catch in the backfield. Uh, he's been elusive, but there wasn't a lot of throwing the football this game here. Um, so, you know, so here, but like you said, you know, you expect to do those kind of things. Um, but it was still, you know, a miracle. In all that snow and everything, that he had one of probably the second best game in his career. His first best was also another big snow game back in Philadelphia. Another festival. Yeah, you know, I always joke that Shady, if you know, if you play with Shady on um, turn the snow on, he get, he turns all ninety nine <laughs> because it only seems it seems like whenever the snow starts falling, he just turns into you know an elite player. Watching that Lions game. My brother and I were just in awe because he was doing things, uh, my big Barry Sanders fan, mm-hmm. and he was doing things that we hadn't seen since Sarah, since really Barry Sanders was on the Another festival. Cole, Elvin Benjamin in the engineering on there. He had a nice catch on that drive right before and a pretty touchdown pass. Um, did a good job of throwing it to only planes where Benjamin could get it. And, you know, I honestly don't think that you know, as limited as they were throwing the ball, and they had to be. Nathan Peterman looked a lot more confident and just better. And you know, maybe the nerves were gone. It was terrible weather, so you know, everyone was good in their ability. But uh, Kelvin finally a big performance. Don't have Jordan Matthews there, so um, basically, if you want to talk about star stuff, this team, Kelvin Benjamin is it. It was nice to see Deontay Thompson's catch. That was a huge catch. But I really like to see Kelvin Benjamin uh, finally, you know, put a mark here on this Buffalo team. Yeah, and Brad, wait till he gets to the game this weekend and actually see him play. He honestly, you don't realize how big of a human being he is until you see him live in person. He is just a giant. He really is. Um, and he, he's been starting to get into his stride a little bit more with the Bills. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, I like the way they used him last week. It seems like they were trying to get him. He had got a little bit of alligator arms. Um, at times running across the middle routes. But I think that sort of 
you know, not really someplace he's comfortable is running across the middle. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it'd like to see him extend out for some of those catches, you know, the five, six yarders. But in all honesty, he's a down the field threat and we should use him as such. And now as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. Not the feats of strength. All right, with the feats of strength, what I want to do is basically pit two aspects of the Bills together and you would tell me who wins. So pick two aspects of the, this Bills team, which I think you know are, are close and contending in a positive way, and which one would beat the other. Okay. Um, all right, this is a good one. Which power back is more likely to make a pretty play running for three yards? Uh, Tolbert or Booby Dixon? Booby. Yeah. Booby was famous for the three yards and uh, leap. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect there. That uh, um, I, 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 I miss Booby Dixon. I think he was more of a... A player that made an impact on special teams, but he was good in, in short yardage situations where, you know, they have incorrectly used Tolbert all season long. When they swing him out, it's almost ridiculous. That's something they should be doing with Sean McCoy. And then when they run Sean McCoy directly in between the tackles, that that's misusing his talents there. That I I'm not a fan of what Uncle Rico has done as offensive coordinator, that is Rick Dennison. And, uh, you know, this offseason, I would have no issue if they decided to go in the direction of another offense. I just don't like how Rick Dennison has been using his backs this year. Well, there's a lot of talk that uh, Hugh Jackson is going to be coming available. Um, So if Hugh Jackson's available, I would love to see the Bills try to make him, like, the highest paid offensive coordinator in the NFL. Because you throw loads of money at somebody, they'll come and fix anything. Um, You know... Jackson's known as a quarterback whisper. Um, there's a few other offensive prospective guys that you could bring in. Rick Dennison, though, just his his offense just hasn't looked. He's trying to fit square pegs and round holes. And like Bill Barnwell always says, you a good offensive coordinator fits their scheme to the player. A bad offensive coordinator makes the player fit to their scheme. I think you could run so much creative zone runs with LaShawn McCoy with Joe Webb, with Tyrod, with Deontay Thompson, who's so fast in, in the run game and in the returning game. And I just see the lack of creativity with our offense, and, and it's just sad. It really is because we were running so well last year using this very unique offense, and I'd love to see us go back to that. And, you know, Anthony Lynn, like you said, he did an efficient job running this offense last year. And now uh, he's doing a good job at San Diego. They're making a push to win the AFC West, which we thought was going to be one of the better divisions in football. And it's amazing that you can have the same record as the Bills at 7-6 and six and be tied for the lead in that division. It's just that bad this year. The Raiders are a, a huge disappointment this year. Kansas City started red hot. They got cold. Chargers started cold. They got hot. And... Uh, yeah, this AFC East, Denver's been terrible this year. Um, the AFC West has been a big disappointment, while the AFC East, you know, it is New England running away the division as usual here. Uh, but, uh, you know, Buffalo's uh, staying competitive in the playoff hunt. The Jets were ex- expected to be a big tank job this year. And, you know, the Dolphins are 
I'd say probably one of the more schizophrenic teams that you never know what you're going to see out of the Miami Dolphins. Um, well, that's that's the thing with Jay Cutler. That has been the that's part of it too. Cutler's career. He will look like a, a Hall of Fame quarterback one game, and then the next game you're like, who let this D three walk on fourth string quarterback out on the field? Like, why is he starting for an NFL team? And I'm hoping for a Festivus miracle, and that's the quarterback that we see out of Jay Cutler. On Sunday, I mean it's it is likely big uh, big uh, lights. Jake Cutler normally bounces back with a very poor performance the week after. Yep, we'll have to see. We'll have to hope in this one. Um, it's also nice this year that Buffalo doesn't have to face Jay Ajayi because he just rumbled over both times against the Rex Ryan defense in South Beach and in Orchard Park last year that it's a festivist miracle that he was traded to Philadelphia so we don't have to face him twice. Yes. Um, now, we do have a good back in Kenyon Drake, uh, former uh, Alabama product. Um, he's really quick, very good out of the backfield. Um, but he is nowhere the big-time back that Jay Ajayi is. Nope, absolutely not. Uh, feeds the strength here. Um it's probably a runaway, but I'm going to go with our kickers the last two years and Dan Carpenter and Steven Hauschka. Uh, Hauschka, as John Murphy would say, has been Hausch money. Uh, as, you know, Carpenter was coined by Murphy as the money man, but down the stretch he was anything but there. Um, we saw a deterioration in the performance of Dan Carpenter, especially just struggling, uh, making extra points there. Uh, they should have won that game late in December last year against the Miami Dolphins, and he missed a very makeable field goal in overtime where Hauschka, you know, set an NFL record for consecutive 50-plus yard field goals. That goes back to last year with uh, Seattle. But Hauschka has been outstanding this year, and he's definitely one of the uh, probably unsung kickers in this league this year. I completely agree, and uh, the thing about Carpenter was... He was very good the first year we picked him up, and then he had the hip issue, and he never seemed... Kicking is so precise with everything. Your foot plant, your you know angle of velocity, everything has to be just on point. If you're a millimeter off, that ball's going wide. And so it just seemed like... Um, how uh, It seemed like Carpenter never got over that injury. And so, you know... He was very good, and we got really spoiled that one year. I think it was 2014. Uh, and he played outstandingly well. But, um, you know, after that hip injury and hip surgery, he just really never looked the same. Agreed. All right, well, this is a Festivus edition here of the Buffalo Down Podcast, but we'll get set to wind down uh, the 2017 Festivus season. Uh, I know actually Festivus will take place coming up uh, on the 23rd of December, so a week from Saturday. But coming up on Sunday, like I said, Buffalo Tanks on the Miami Dolphins. And uh, this is a fun game for me for a couple reasons. One, I'm going to the game. Uh, two, it'll be my first game for my wife and my son at uh, in Orchard Park at New Era Field, so I'm excited for them to experience it. Not that I'm a, a seasoned veteran. I went to my first game against Arizona last year, but we've been going to Bills games for a while in Nebraska. My wife and I would make the three-hour trip to Kansas City and uh, watch them play the Chiefs, but excited for that. Uh, I have family that live in Miami that are obnoxious Dolphin fans, so I would love it if the Bills could win 
and rub it in their face. And I, you know, I chose this game because we were trying to figure out what game we were going to go to this year. I want to make it a new yearly tradition. And I chose this game because I wanted to go to a cold weather game that's real football. And I want to go to a game in December so I can, you know, put on my uh, my Bills Santa gear. Something I came up with last year uh, with a Bills jersey, my Bills j- pajama pants, my Santa boots, a Santa coat, a scarf, Bills gloves, uh, a Bills hat, my beard and glasses and wig and the full shebang there. So interested to try that out at New Era Field, see if I can at least get on the on the Jumbotron there on Sunday. But I'm excited for this game. I think this is a winnable game, and I'm going to say Buffalo gets it done. In a cold, I think the highest projected at 30 degrees. So I'm going to say the Bills win this game here. I'm going to twi- say it's going to be close. I'll say 27-24. I think they're going to open it up a little bit more. Um, you know, with the cold weather, with everything the way it is, Miami's coming off a big win. I, I think the Bills are going to, their offense is going to open it up a little bit the, this game. Um, I'm going to say 28-7 to Buffalo. Fair enough. Uh, final thoughts here as we uh, wind down this podcast this week? You know, I'm starting my draft prep for uh, next season. I know it's it's that time of year again. I always love to start it. And, uh, you know, i got to say the rumor is that the Bills are in love with Sam Darnell. So we'll see if um, if that comes to fruition with who they've been scouting and who they talk to uh, in the coming months. And if Darnell even uh, does come out in the draft this year. And would it be a festivist miracle for Tyrod Taylor to be back with the Bills next season? Um, I think so. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, in all honesty, the smartest thing for us to do is to float a rumor out there with Schefter or Rappaport saying the Bills are going to keep on Tyrod even with drafting a quarterback, blah, 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 and just call the Browns and say, hey, listen, you are going to give up your second-round pick and your third-round pick to the Bengals for A.J. McCarron. We'll send you Tyrod. Same price. Second and third round pick. And I think the Browns hop it. I really do think the Browns jump. Absolutely. And like, yep, we're in on that. And I, I think this offseason you're going to see a lot of bills traded. I think there's going to be a lot of trades rolling into the new league year. All right, well, that's going to do it for this Festivus edition here of the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Follow us both on Twitter. You can follow me at Bill's Bruiser. Follow Alex at St. Alex Jones. Read our work here at Buffalo Down. Follow the site on Twitter at Buffalo Down and Facebook.com slash Buffalo Down. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. has been the buffalodown.com podcast part of the fan-sided sports network in our street media production